You are listening to the Calvary Church Podcast, where each episode features a life-transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services. And now, let's join a service that's already in progress. Amen. Good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Can I get a witness here? Amen. Amen. We are blessed to be in the house of the Lord this evening. Um, before we get into the word, uh, we want to continue to remember Sister Reed in prayer, as well as other prayer needs here tonight. How many have a need? Just to raise their hand by faith to say, I have a need. Amen. We need to be praying for those needs and uh, continue to pray for those that also, um, trunk or treat, we want to be mindful of that. Uh, the booth out there, there's still a lot of things I was looking at before service that uh, we still need a, a lot of bags of candy. We still need a, some gift cards. And so if you're able to contribute to that, uh, one thing that Pastor Tom touched on that really got a hold of my heart when he first started talking about this was he said, trunk or treat is not for us. He said, but it's for the community. Amen. And so we just need to, to take that approach uh, with our, our giving. Amen. And so if you would visit the table out there uh, after service tonight and just see what we can what we can give. Also, how many know October is Pastor Appreciation Month? Amen. How many appreciate the leadership here at TCC? Amen. Amen. So we have these out there. And this... Uh, for Pastor Appreciation Month, um, you can show your appreciation with a card or a note to uh, Pastor Tom or Pastor Chris, uh, Kristen, and uh, feel free um, to anybody on the ministry or the pastoral team here at TCC, feel free to, to leave a note or to uh, uh, drop a card in the offering basket or uh, at the welcome desk. Amen. We definitely want to show our appreciation to the leadership of the church. The Bible says to give honor where honor is due, and I believe that. Amen. Amen. Well, I'll tell you this. I get to step in the pulpit here tonight, and I get to follow Bishop Ellis after two messages. Uh, I don't take that lightly. Um, he came to me and he said, so I hear that I'm supposed to load the bases for you. <laughs> I said, well, I'll tell you like I used to tell the saints in Brookville. I may not hit a home run every time I'm at the plate, but every time I get in the pulpit, I'm swinging for the fences. Amen. Amen. Tonight, tonight I think, if I remember correctly, I think tonight we will be closing out the I Am a Disciple series. And uh, I'm very honored to be asked to speak here tonight. Um, Bishop Ellis challenged us on the experience and power of personal Bible studies and preached a fantastic message this past Sunday on the power of the gospel. Can I tell you here tonight that you're sitting in this church because of the power of the gospel? Yes. Amen. 
There's no other reason that you're here tonight. You're not here tonight because you don't have anything else better to do, or you're not here tonight just because you're curious as to what might be going on, but you're here because you have experienced yourself personally the power of the gospel. Amen. How many is thankful for the death, burial, and resurrection here tonight? Amen. We thank God for it. Amen. And so I'm here to close it out. I will do the best I can. Amen. Amen. How many believe in the power of a witness? Each and every person here tonight has a witness. And I know that that's something, it's sort of a term that we kick around sometimes in Christianity and within the church. But can I tell you here tonight that your witness matters? I got two or three believers. Your witness matters. You say, Brother Puckett, I, I don't really know. You know, I'm just one person. How much does my witness matter? Can I tell the church here tonight that hell has a witness? Every single day. And, and, and can, I, can I just add this to that? Hell is not ashamed of its witness. As a matter of fact, as the days have gotten closer to the second coming of the Lord, the witness of hell has become more blatant. Amen. Or, or let me just say it this way here tonight. Hell doesn't even try to hide the ball anymore. Amen. It is very much in your face. It doesn't do the things that it did 20 years ago behind closed doors. It's unashamed of its witness. And everywhere you look on any given point of the day, you will find a witness of hell, whether it's in social media, whether it's on television or on the radio. Hell is not ashamed to have a witness, and it has a witness in the world. The Bible says that where sin doth abound, grace doth much more abound. So let me say it this way. Where hell has a witness in the world, the church must have a greater witness in the world. Amen. And that's why your witness matters. If you're sitting under the sound of my voice here tonight, and you've taken on the name of Jesus in baptism, and you've been filled with his spirit, can I tell you that you have a powerful witness? Can I tell you here tonight that you have power and authority in this world? Where sin doth abound, grace will much more abound. Can I get a witness here tonight? And so don't ever think that your witness is insignificant. Don't ever think that your experience with Jesus is just another number. You're just another statistic. You're just another person that got baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. I've come to tell you tonight that the church has a purpose. And you're the church. If you're filled with the Spirit, you have a purpose. You walked in here tonight with a purpose. You'll walk out of here tonight with a purpose. And that purpose is to bear witness to His glory and for His name in the world. Jesus said, I have called you to be two things. The light of the world and the salt of the earth. Amen. We have been commissioned by God to be a witness in the world. Amen. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28, and this is familiar scripture to us. Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. And I'm just going to kind of shorten this up for the sake of time here tonight. Let's start at verse 18. Jesus, Jesus spoke to them and he said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. And then he said, go. 
He said, don't just hang around here. He said, go and make disciples. Amen. That's been the, the center point of what pastor has been teaching in this series. He said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end. So what Jesus said there is he said, I want you to go and do what I've asked you to do, but you're not going to go by yourself. Can I tell you that any endeavor that you do for God, you will not do it by yourself. It's a promise that you have in his word. And then he solidifies that word in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 right before the coming of the Holy Ghost, right before the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. He says, by what power and what authority that you're going to go and bear that witness. He says, and ye shall receive power. When? After. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Can I tell the church, can I remind somebody here tonight that you did not receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost just so you could be bilingual. You did not receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost just so you can talk in tongues in your prayer closet at home. But Jesus said, I have given you this, this power that will come after you receive the Holy Ghost. And that will be the power by which you will witness my glory into the world. That's the power, brothers and sisters, by which you will lay hands upon the sick and the sick will recover. Amen. That's the power by which you will speak to devils and devils will tremble. He said, once you receive the Holy Ghost, he said, you will have the power to be a witness. I've often told people that if you have the baptism of the Holy Ghost and don't do anything with it, that's like somebody wrote you a blank check. And you decided never to spend a cent. Amen. But that was never God's intention. When he poured out his spirit, he said, I'm doing so because you're going to be a witness for me. So brothers and sisters, we are called. We're commanded. And like I was just talking about, we are equipped to be witnesses to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. And so I want to. Just kind of stop there for a second here tonight. There's two ways that believers witness, and we must have a witness in the world. There's two ways that we witness. The first is with our words, just as I'm standing up here and speaking to you. Jesus said in the, in the Great Commission in Matthew 28, he says, teach them to observe all things that I've commanded you. That requires speaking, teaching. We witness by our speech. Paul said our speech is so important to building faith in Romans 10, 17. He said that faith comes by hearing. In hearing by the word of God. Can I tell somebody here tonight that there's not one church service you'll attend here that's wasted. Not one Wednesday night that you'll ever hear the word of God taught that it's not going to benefit you. Not one Sunday morning you're going to, it doesn't matter who's in the pulpit. Not what Sunday morning that the word of God goes forth that it is not intended to build your faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. When you come into the house of God, you ought to sit down in your pew and say, I wonder what God has for me in this service. Amen. Because I believe that it is the will of God for each and every service for him to add something to us. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. 
Paul goes on in Colossians chapter 4 and verse 6 to talk about the importance of our speech. He said our speech and the way that we talk as a witness is so important. He said, let your speech always be with grace. Do you know that the way that you talk on the job is part of your witness? How you interact with your co-workers is part of your witness. Let me go one step further. How you interact with people under your roof is part of your witness. And so we witness with words. The second way that we witness is with our everyday life. I read something one time that said, be careful how you act because you may be the only Bible anybody reads today. Amen. I've told people many times as I've been teaching that when you're a Christian and people know you're a Christian, you need to be careful what you do. Because there's always somebody looking to point their finger at you and saying, that's the reason I don't go to church. It's life under a microscope. But that's a witness. Our everyday life, our everyday actions. As a matter of fact, Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 15, he said that the Holy Ghost ensures that in our life, that the gospel is not hid, but rather that it's revealed. He says, for our gospel did not come to you in word only. It didn't come to you just in speech. He said, but the gospel came to you in power and in the Holy Spirit and much assurance. He says, as you knew what kind of men we were were among you. He said, we didn't come just teaching. Our witness just didn't come from words. He said, but we were with you every day. You saw how we interacted with you. You saw how we carried ourselves. He said, that was part of our witness. Brothers and sisters, wherever you go on any given day, you are carrying your witness with you. Amen. Your co-workers, your family members, your friends, your acquaintances, all of them are going to be looking to see how you react to adversity. How you react to certain things on the job. How you react to, to stress. It ought to be a wonder to your co-workers how when all hell is breaking loose on the job, you're the only one that's remained calm. They ought to be wondering, how is it? How is it this person always has peace? How is it this person always maintains joy? Amen. Because Paul said that the gospel is not hid. Amen. For those that are filled with the Spirit, he said, the gospel is not hid because among you, you see how we interact. And so our everyday life is an example of Jesus Christ. It's something that can be seen by all. And finally, the Bible says that God is not only glorified in our actions which are seen, or which in our actions which are seen, but also in our bodies which belong to God. So we have to be careful about how we carry ourselves, how we look, how we present ourselves to the world. It's important. It's all part of the witness. That's a good spot for an amen right there. All right. All right. Everybody with me? All right. All right. So tonight I want to give you, I just wanted to lay the groundwork there and say, I I just want us to really understand the power of our witness, the power that we hold, the power that we carry with us, with the gospel and with the Holy Ghost. I wanted to kind of lay that foundation 
for the rest of the teaching here tonight, and I'm trying not to preach, so bear with me. I'm, I really am trying to be a teacher tonight. Amen. So uh, just, uh, I'm, I'm sure that was in the fine print of my calling somewhere. Amen. So I want to give us some guidelines here to effective witnessing. Now, we've been talking about personal Bible studies, and I don't know if I'm trying to watch my time, but uh, we, uh, we've been talking about personal Bible studies. We've been talking about reaching out to those around us. We've been talking about getting the church, being a disciple, making a disciple, getting the church outside the walls of the church, which is the will of God. It's what we're supposed to do. Yes, it's the will of God for us to gather together, but the purpose of the church is to come in here to be fed, to learn of God, to have our faith increased, and then take what we have heard and go do it out there. Amen. Thank God for the Holy Ghost because you got the power to go do it. Amen. But some general guidelines for effective witnessing, and, and as I kind of go through these do's and don'ts, I'm going to tell you tonight that the, the don'ts is don'ts because I personally experienced that. And so I kind of learned by experience the things not to do when witnessing to other people. Number one, when you're getting to know a person, learn to discern through simple conversation the depth or convictions of that person's knowledge. Not everybody's a theologian. Not everybody has a knack for memorizing scripture. Matter of fact, not everybody knows something about the word of God. Bishop Ellis touched on something that is so vitally important when it comes to witnessing. He talked about the importance of connection. Can I tell you tonight, and, and I'm, maybe this will mess up some of your theology, maybe it'll mess up some of your training, I don't know. But can I tell you tonight that connection is just as important is anything that comes after that. It is. It really is. So get to know a person, talk to a person, connect with them, try to get a feel for what their convictions are. In other words, if I could say this another way, know your audience. Amen? Know your audience. Number two, and this is important, understand the difference between meat and milk. This is, this is very important. Anybody that you begin to witness to or you're teaching a Bible study to and, and, and they're very new to this and, and maybe they've just recently been born again. The Apostle Paul calls new converts babes in Christ. You can't feed a baby steak. You'll choke it to death. So, brothers and sisters, we have to learn to temper our zeal. Like I said, I'm telling you all of this because I learned this the hard way. Because when I got into this, when I got filled with the Holy Ghost, I was, I was just crazy enough to believe that everything in this book was true. I was just crazy enough to believe that I could do everything this book said I can do, and I'm still that crazy. But I fell in love with this truth. I fell in love with this truth so hard that all my timing went out the window. <laughs> I'll give you an example. 
I, I stood up at Thanksgiving one time and did an impromptu Bible study during dinner. <laughs> Wrong timing. Wrong timing. We're somewhere between the, the sweet potatoes and the turkey leg. But understand the difference between meat and milk. I, I, I'll, I'll tell you this. When I teach a Bible study, and I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit here tonight. When I teach a Bible study, and maybe you do it different, and maybe it's worked for you, and that's fine. But I'll tell you this. When I teach Bible studies, I do not touch on the oneness of God. I believe in it. It's absolute truth, the mighty God in Christ. But that is a deep subject. Amen. I would rather get somebody filled with the Holy Ghost first and then let the Holy Ghost help me help them. Amen. Not to mention the fact that the Trinity is often something that's very sacred to people, especially if they have a religious background. You've got to be careful you don't go kicking somebody's sacred cow. Amen. Remember, the name of the game is connection. So know the difference between meat and milk. Know the people you're talking to. Number three, be gentle and prayerful when dealing with people who have a religious background. If they've had an experience with God, tell them how thankful you are that they've had an experience with God. Don't tell them, oh no, man, you got to turn or burn. Don't tell them anything like that. But celebrate. You don't think Jesus celebrates the, at least the experience that they have had with him? He does. So celebrate with them the experience. Amen. The Bible says that Apollos was, he was out, he was out, he was preaching, he had such great zeal, he was doing the best he could. But he was taken in and shown a more excellent way. Sometimes people just need to be shown a more excellent way. So be prayerful and be gentle when you're dealing with people that have a religious background. Amen. Be respectful. Number four, be careful that your zeal is not cleverly disguised vanity and pride. Come on, somebody. You got to be careful that you're not like Peter because that's what I was in the beginning. I fell so in love with this truth, I was ready to whip my sword out and lop ears off everywhere I went for anybody that disagreed with me. I wanted to hammer on Jesus' name, baptism, and the Holy Ghost. I wanted to hammer on the oneness of God. I got a hold of this thing. It changed my whole life. One of these days, maybe I'll tell you my testimony. But it changed my whole life, and I was, I was determined everybody was good. Well, here's what I thought. I thought everybody wanted what I had. And they were going to hear it whether they wanted to or not. But somewhere down the line, my pride got a hold of and I realized that my zeal was mingled with pride. Number five, understand that witnessing is not about winners and losers. I have a personal rule. I never argue scripture. Because arguing means everybody loses. I would rather, I, I've, I've come in my old age in wisdom. Right, baby? I've come in my old age and wisdom to, to know that I would rather ask questions that get people to think and let them figure out the answers for themselves. Amen. It's not about winners or losers. Amen. If we can get somebody into the truth, heaven wins. 
Number six, your greatest assets to witnessing is this, love, knowledge, and patience. Let everything that you do be done in love. Everything Jesus did was did out of love. I heard somebody say one time that it wasn't nails that held him to a cross, but it was love that held him there. Amen. Amen. If we can't witness with love, then our motives are out of whack to begin with. So your greatest asset is going to be love and knowledge. And you don't got to be a theologian. You don't have to have more degrees than a thermometer. Amen. You just need to have a basic working knowledge of the word of God. It's like Bishop Ellis said, we're called to be seed sowers. Just get out there and sow the seed. Just sow it. The word's powerful enough, it'll take care of itself. Amen. We just need to go spread it. And lastly, patience. Be patient. Be patient with people. And if you're having a hard time being patient with people, remember how patient God's been with you. That'll bring us back to a quick reality check. Amen. Now I want to close here tonight by moving into keys to effective Bible studies. How many people, just out of curiosity, how many people have a theology degree here? Anybody by chance? Anybody went to Bible school? I got one, two, three, all right, four. Okay, so you got a theology degree, you can teach a Bible study. How many people here does not have a theology degree? All right. You can teach a Bible study. Amen. How many people here are good at memorizing scripture? You can teach a Bible study. How many here can barely paraphrase a scripture? You can teach a Bible study. Can I get a witness here tonight? What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say that every person under the sound of my voice here can teach a Bible study. Amen. Amen. It doesn't take a degree and it doesn't take some great theological knowledge or understanding of Scripture. Amen. The Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. You can teach a Bible study, but let me give you just a few keys to effective Bible studies. Again, this is trial and error on my part. Number one, if you've come to understand the depth of a person's knowledge, teach to that level. If a person doesn't have much experience with the Bible, don't go trying to wow them with how many scriptures you know and start talking about, well, this means that in the Greek. Because it's all Greek to them. Amen? Teach to their level. It's okay. The important thing is, is that they understand the Word of God. So get an idea of where they are and teach to that level. Amen? Sow into the good ground. Amen? Number two, take your time so that what you're planting is absorbed. I love what Bishop Ellis said when he said we cannot treat Bible studies like programs because they're not. If we walk into a Bible study and we're carrying our big uh, exploring God's word chart and we got our handouts and and we got to sit down and we got to go by this, this, and this, and this, and it's a one-hour Bible study, so bless God, we better be done in 60 minutes. I promise you, you're not going to be that effective. 
because you got the flipboard. Most of you know what I'm talking about. You got the flipboard, you got the handouts, but you don't got the connection. And the connection takes time. Take your time. Allow what you're teaching to sink in. Allow that seed to find good ground. Amen. The Bible says that's the only way that you're going to get a harvest out of that. Number three, make sure the person that you're witnessing to understands, and this may sound elementary, but this is important. Make sure that the person you're teaching understands that there's no such thing as a stupid question. Growing up, my dad, would all, he would always say the, the dumbest question you can ask is the one that you don't. Any question that leads to knowledge is a good question. Whether or not you've answered that question a thousand times, answer it a thousand and one. Amen? And something I do, and, and maybe you do something different, but I allow, when I'm teaching a Bible study, I allow them to speak up and ask questions at any point they want to. Why do I do that? Because if I tell them to wait till the end, they might forget what they were wanting to ask. And maybe God was opening a door to move in their heart right then and there, and I don't want to pass that up. So make sure, make sure they're comfortable asking questions. That's important. Amen. Number four, the goal of every study should be the edifying or the building up of the faith of the listener towards salvation. That's what this is about. Building up faith towards salvation. Or as I, if I could say it this way, like Brother Tenney would say, we got to keep the main thing the main thing. Amen? Amen. So make sure that that's your goal. When you go in there, and, and let me tell you, you're going in there to teach, but you should also go into personal Bible studies with the understanding, this person may want baptized when I'm done with this. Be ready to baptize them. Let me go one step further. Go into every Bible study. My wife and I have learned this. Go into every Bible study believing that if that person can grasp what you're teaching, they can receive the Holy Ghost right there in your Bible study. Amen. Amen. We got to get past this thing sometimes that, well, if we can get them into church, we can get them filled with the Holy Ghost. No, God is ready to fill them with the Holy Ghost the minute they believe. I got a handful right there. God is willing and able to do it, and he will. Amen. So go, teach with expectation that God is going to do what he said he would do. Amen. And lastly, here's some points to avoid frustration. Is there anybody here tonight that's ever taught a Bible study and it did not go the way that you thought it would? If, if you've taught more than one Bible study, you should have raised your hand right there. Because that is the rule and not the exception. And I know Bishop Ellis touched on that, but it's, it's the truth. I believe he said about one in four. About one in four. I remember there, there, there were times over the years that my wife and I, we, we, have, we have, I mean, it, we have chased people around with the billy club of truth, just trying to beat them over the head with it, and we couldn't get nowhere with them. I remember one time many, many, many years ago, with all the money we had left in our bank account, we had this one family that we were trying to reach. It was a mom and a bunch of kids, and we invited them over, and we spent every last cent we had to buy KFC that night just to get them under our roof for a Bible study. KFC is good. <laughs> I didn't find out till later that 
Chick-fil-A was the Lord's chicken. <laughs> That's probably what went wrong. <laughs> but, but the point is, is you're going to have frustration. You're going to have some discouragement. So let me give you just a few points to avoid frustration. Number one, understand. Understand that not every Bible study is going to yield instant results. That's where the connection comes in. That's where you got to make a connection and maintain a connection. Amen. Even if that connection means that you go out to lunch or you go out to breakfast four, five, six times before you ever get them in for a Bible study. Because sometimes that's what it's going to take. Because not every Bible study is going to get instant results. And, and, and some will. Some will. Blessed are they that do hunger and thirst. They will be filled. You get somebody that's hungry, you'll get them in the water after baptism. You get somebody that's hungry, you'll get them filled with the Holy Ghost right after the Bible study. Amen. Number two, expect kickback from people from denominational churches or with prior church experience. Handle with care. You're going to teach some things that may go against what people have been raised to believe. And, and, and let me tell you, if grandma believed it, and mom believed it, and dad believed it, and grandpa believed it, okay, you got some deep roots right there. So you have to be careful how you approach that when you're dealing, and expect some kickback, but don't take it personally. You have truth. You have the word of God. Just handle it gently with the word. I, I have learned during Bible studies to get away from the term, I believe. Amen? I, I often say, when they say, well, hey, well, what about this? I don't know that I believe that. And I say, well, let's see what the Bible says. Because you can disagree with me, but if you disagree with this, that's between you and Jesus. Amen? I've done my part. My hands are clean. So expect some kickback, but be patient. Because you might be dealing with generational denominationalism. That's a fun word. <laughs> Next, witnessing is sometimes a drawn-out process. Sometimes a drawn-out process. Like I said, don't be afraid to go to breakfast multiple times. Take them out to lunch. Don't be afraid to have them over just for dinner and connection and a cup of coffee. Sometimes that's a drawn-out process. Listen, some people have learned to live behind walls, brothers and sisters. And that's where our, our love, being driven by love for these souls, that's, that love alone is enough to pull down those strongholds. So don't be afraid to make that connection. Don't, don't you know, hey, can I invite you out for a cup of coffee? And then the first thing you say when you sit down and put your splint in and say, hey, could I get a, maybe do a Bible study or something? Get to know them, connect with them. Understand, this may take a little while. Amen. And lastly, not every person you win will stick. Anybody here under the sound of my voice that, is, that has done a lot of Bible studies, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And it, and it, and it hurts. It hurts. When, when, when you love people like Jesus loves people, and you pour into them, and you invest in them, and, and, and it, for whatever reason, it doesn't seem to work. It's frustrating. It hurts. But understand, not every person 
that you win, even, even if you do win, and not every person you win is going to stay. It's unfortunate, but that's just the way that it is. So it's better just to prepare yourself and understand that. But the Bible says, do not grow weary in what? Well-doing. In other words, brothers and sisters, they may not stick, but just keep doing them. Amen? Amen. They may not stick, but you just keep doing well. You just keep doing what what we're commissioned to do. Amen. You just keep teaching. You keep making disciples. You keep putting yourself out there. Amen. Don't be afraid about investing too far into people and getting hurt. God will hedge that in. You just put yourself out there and let Jesus take care of the rest of it. Amen. Amen. So we're going to move into app time. And uh, hopefully I haven't, uh, I don't think I put anybody to sleep tonight. So for app time, we've got two questions here tonight. Number one, which point made here tonight do you feel may help you be a better witness? Is there something that you heard here tonight that you say, hey, maybe that's where where uh, maybe I can improve there, or maybe this will help me to be a better witness on the job, or 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 a, or a better witness, uh, you know, if you travel, I can be a better witness in in my travels. Which point here tonight do you feel would help you be a better witness? And number two. Do you feel more confident? If, if you've never taught a Bible study here tonight, you can teach a Bible study. But the second question is, do you feel more confident that you could teach a Bible study? And if so, why? Number one, do you feel that there's a point made here tonight that will help you to be a better witness? And number two, do you feel more confident that you could teach a Bible study and why? Amen. Let's go into our app time, get with somebody and discuss, get with somebody near you, discuss these questions, and we'll come back here in just a moment.
Well, I pray tonight that this helps somebody. I pray that it encourages somebody because we have a mission. Amen. The church has to have a witness and the church has to have a greater witness in the world today than what the witness of the enemy. Amen. And so I, I pray tonight that this this lesson has encouraged you, has empowered you in some way, given you understanding, amen, that we can take what we experience here every Wednesday, and we can take what we experience here every Sunday morning and go out into the highways and the hedgerows, amen, be a witness for the gospel of Jesus Christ so that other people can experience the same power of that gospel that you and I have experienced, amen, amen. Lord bless you tonight, please don't, uh, please don't, uh, forget to stop by the, the trunk or treat table. Amen. Everybody be safe. Be blessed on your way home tonight. You are dismissed in Jesus' name. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.